everybody, and welcome to Black Hole Cinema. We are back with a vengeance, or maybe not with a vengeance. That suggests we've been, you know, um, angry and on a crusade to kill people, which we haven't. That's not what we've been doing. We've just had a break over the summer to um, recharge our batteries, do other things. We, as in me, Tony Black, um, curator and host this week of Black Hole Cinema, and with me, the two co-hosts of the show, Mr. Dan Taylor. Hello, it's good to be back. And Lady Judy Hench, a.k.a. Emma Dame Platt. Judy Hench. Dame, Dame Judy Hench. Dame. And this is why like, we have to call her these things, because she gets angry very quickly I at do. things. She does. And we had a nice summer. Sorry, <laughs> <Didn't do that>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've spent the whole thing working. Uh, we bought uh, a new cinema on the 26th of June, so I was uh, well, we've been working very hard this summer to get that up and running and uh, running the way we want it to. Um, I finished there on in the end of September, so it's been a long old slog. Um, and then potentially, I'm off to Furso, which is uh, just north of Inverness. Way! <laughs> no way, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, my job now is to, to go and like open these these new buy, uh, these new cinemas that we we take on. So wherever they are in the world, uh, you know, I really like one in Madrid or Barcelona or something. You know, exotic. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, yeah. of all the places, it's one of the coldest places in the country. And it's never been warmer than twenty four degrees, which is what room temperature, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Next stop, Reykjavik, and yeah. onwards north. Yeah, you'll be up the wall before you know it, but that's uh, <laughs> that's that's good. And Emma, you had a chilled summer. I had surgery, didn't I? So I've literally spent all summer in bed. Ah, so that wasn't fun. You told me I'd be back on my feet in four days, and it's been four weeks, and I'm still just like, ah, no. So that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> and I ha- I've got more surgery to have, so oh. super fun. Are you sure you're super not just milking fun. this so you can watch a lot of Netflix? Do you know what? I haven't even watched any Netflix. I've literally just slept and bitched most of the time, which is really no different than usual. <laughs> and I had to sort of go back to uni. and We've had a busy time. I've been moving Sorting house. Out life. <laughs> yes, life stuff. I've been moving house and going mm. on to weddings and uh, nice stuff. All good, all nice stuff. Don't get me wrong, but just busy. Just very, very busy. So, it makes you feel old, doesn't it? Weddings and, and stuff like that. You suddenly realise you're an adult. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's difficult. I had I had three on the bounce, three weddings in three weeks. It was like yeah. an endurance test, and they were all in different parts of the country. There was one Lincolnshire, then one in Kent, and then one in Wiltshire. So <laughs> it was crazy times. But uh, I've only ever been to three weddings. One was my own, so. <laughs> <laughs> No, that doesn't count, surely, as, as in terms uh, of guests going to a wedding. I, did go to, I went <laughs> to one wedding this to. summer. I know, I did go to one this summer, and I was kind of like, why would someone assume I've got something to wear for a wedding? And then I was like, oh, because I'm nearly 30, and people start to get married now. Like, I was really like quite annoyed that I had to buy something new to go to a wedding. I was going to say, you didn't just How go in your hospital gown or anything. <laughs> no, but I was going to go in my old wedding dress. <laughs> oh, that would have been wonderfully ironic. Just, just being like, well, you know, if you're wearing one, I'm going to wear one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we've we've been busy, but we're back, and this is a summer special, just to hack into quite a busy summer, really, of all the uh, the blockbuster season movies that have been out. Although 
I don't really know whether it, it can be really labelled as blockbuster season anymore because it doesn't really work that way anymore, does it? You get tentpole massive releases all over the year now. So it's not like the summers of old where it would be all the big blockbuster massive movies and then the rest of the year is all these little pottering indies. It's all changed. I, yeah, I actually think the money's actually so far been taken before the summer, pretty much. Mm. Um, you know, the biggest releases of the year kind of were, came around like... February, March, April time, which is very unusual. Um, obviously, your Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, Fast Furious Seven, yeah. Aven- Avengers, obviously. So yeah, it was actually the earlier months, really, this year. I've not, I've not actually looked at the uh, the overall figures for the year. I don't know where we are at the moment um, um, in terms of. I'm looking at them now, just for what we've got so far. Mm-hmm. Um, like this Jurassic World number one, you've got Avengers: Age of Ultron, Furious Seven, Inside Out, Minions, then Cinderella. Which was like that was February, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah very early. Yeah. Then yeah. Pitch Perfect Two, Mission Impossible, Home. Is that the the little cartoon? Uh, yeah, um, that was March. Yeah, that's number nine so far. I'm on in box office mojo. Fifty Shades of Grey, yeah. SpongeBob the movie, San Andreas, Fury Road, Straight Outta Compton, the Divergent series, Insurgent, Kingsman, Spy, Trainwreck, and Tomorrowland. Are these America? Yeah. Are these American that's ones? The- I think worldwide. This is worldwide, yeah. So really, um, the, the only the only massive one this summer really has been Jurassic World. If you, well, that was, yes. again, again, that's before the summer, really. It's before the kids well, broke up. It was, it was June. Yeah. Yeah, it, it falls before what was considered blockbuster season, I guess, wasn't it, really? Mm. It, um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it doesn't work the same way anymore. Yeah. But In the UK, it's uh, Jurassic World, Avengers, Minions, Furious 7, Inside Out, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Home, Cinderella, The Theory of Everything, and Big Hero Six, uh, which make up the top ten. Mission Impossible just missing out. So actually, it's really only Mission Impossible um, which misses out on the UK box office, and obviously the, on the American side, it, it just makes in. So otherwise, it's just Inside Out. It's just the kids' film really that both sides of the pond you mm. know, breaks quite dramatically into that top ten. Everything else so far. Unusually, it's earlier on. Well, that's uh, that's a good place to start then, really, because we're going to go by um, order of of dates. So we last recorded our podcast and released it on uh, July the twenty third, and we covered Ant Man primarily, which was just before um, the cut off when we went off on holiday. On July twenty fourth, the weekend of first big release was Pixar's Inside Out. I'm Joy. This is sadness. This is disgust. Uh, And that's fear. uh, We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy, you'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. Joy. Joy, no. Wait. The core memories. Ah! No, 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 no. Now... I'm not sure. I, Emma, you've definitely seen this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, me and Freddie went to see it. And it's... Um, I mean, I know everyone's probably seen the trailers. And it's about this little girl called Riley and her emotions. And it's... Um, I really enjoyed Inside Out. I think Pixar films have got a depth to them that mm. DreamWorks lacks. Like, mm. kind of... It's, I don't know. There's just, like, little things was all the way through the film that I was like, oh, I want to see more of that. Um, there was a bit when Joy, who was voiced by Amy Poehler, Poehler, Poehler? 
hate and sadness are like stuck somewhere else in Riley's mind and they see these mind workers taking a memory of a jingle from a commercial and sending it up to like head office basically <laughs> and like Angus like no not this again and it was little things like that that kind of flashed the movie out a lot and compared to like the Minions movie there was a lot in it for, like the story was enough to hold my attention but it was bright and colourful enough that Freddie was really fascinated with it and the show beforehand Lava I've been singing that song all summer that is one of the best shorts I've seen. Yeah, I I really sweet. really enjoyed this. I I think it's one of those I could watch it a few times and still find something different in it. Uh, there was just quite a lot to it. I just, I really enjoyed it. It was it was kind of sweet and it was kind of funny and it was kind of sad and it's it's everything you expect of a Pixar film. And I think the last couple of films they've made haven't really been up to what I expect of them. Like Monsters no. University was was okay. Cars two. Mm, you know, brain was all right, <laughs> but I haven't really, I haven't really, really enjoyed a Pixar film since like probably Up. Yeah, Up. So yeah, I've, this, I've I really, say, really enjoyed this. I wouldn't say it's as good as Up. I think Up for me was quite a special film. Now, however, I will admit that in the in the closing parts of the film, I was choking up a little bit. It was good, <laughs> which yeah. Up had you know Up practically had me crying within the first ten minutes. That opening ten minutes of Up is incredible, um, and this one, but it it's great. Pixar are brilliant in the way they're able to kind of you know, as Emma said, hold the attention of the adults. And actually, adults actually enjoying the film probably just as much, if not more, um, than the kids that are accompanying. And it, it's also what it says about society and because uh, there's, there's little kind of um, pokes at kind of San Francisco and about, um, you know, there's jokes about... Uh, kind of how uh, preppy it is and um, you've got the bro- broccoli on pizza and, and stuff like that and how they're <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, kind of talking about um, how it's kind of trying to become more trendy and cool and trying to do things a bit like kind of quirky and you know stuff like that which is which kids wouldn't necessarily pick up on and think anything of but obviously as adults we go oh yeah that's, that's, that's funny <laughs> um, and, and obviously what it says about um, kind of relationships as well the kind of the relationship between the mum and the dad and obviously we get a, a little brief look inside their heads as well and kind of what their um, kind of emotions are, are saying about one another about you know oh he's not paying attention <laughs> again and kind of him going uh, the, the dad kind of realising oh shit I'm supposed to you know kind of chime in here um, you know it's, you know it's, it's very funny how they are able to actually get quite deep but no yeah it was, it was a good film it was solid certainly the strongest kids film of the year and it's exactly what you would expect from Pixar I think I don't think it quite hit the same emotional chord as as the Toy Stories or Op depth for me I think yeah, there were okay. there were moments like with um, uh, the invisible friend what was his name Bing Bong Bing Bong that's it. it that was that was very sad and quite sweet when when she had to leave him behind and everything like that but I think it didn't quite connect with me in that way but I think what really impressed me more than anything else was the, 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 and we've, you've touched on this a little bit already the depth of cre- creativity involved and the not just like in terms of the kind of things it's talking about and the kind of you know ideas that it's putting across about growing up and growing old and you know going from being a child to a teenager and all this but the depth of thought in the how they presented that you know with all, all the worlds within her mind mm. and you know all the constructs that make up like the islands of the island of personality. That's personality, or, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's amazing. I mean, that to create that level of, of world building 
was phenomenal. And it, so I think in, in terms of that, I think it's the most, I think it's the cleverest Pixar film without a shadow of a doubt they've ever done. I mm. don't think it's quite but, the most emotional, but I think it's the cleverest. But do you not think that when you talk about it, you know, it's not the same as like Toy Do you not think that you've got a different like kind of connection to Toy Story? Because obviously the first one came out so long ago when we were all a lot younger. So it's got like a kind of different meaning, I think. I mean, I when I watched Toy Story 3, I wasn't... I remember everyone going on about how sad it was. I just kind of didn't feel that emotional connection to it anymore. But when I saw Up, especially like, you know, if it was the first 10 minutes, it was just like the worst 10 minutes ever. But... That hit me in a different way because you know being like a growing up and like when when I watched up, I was going through a lot of stuff with trying to have a baby, and that does what they showed on screen in those few seconds really hit me quite hard, so that affected me on a different level than like Toy Story and they were like losing your childhood and things like that, but I kind of mm. think and I think that's something Pixar does really well because me being back then you know I was like twenty three years old. And a, a cartoon film being able to make me sob my eyes out, there was something that was so grown up and so personal that when you th- think about how they can get you like that. But I think Inside Out, it was kind of like, when, especially when she was Bing Bong, it, it reminds me a little bit of, well, my childhood's kind of gone, do you know, and I've left all these stories because it came out like 1985. So we were all a lot, it, we kind of like, I think it's nostalgia sometimes for things like that. Yeah, I think so. I think, for me, though, I mean, I didn't watch the Toy Stories until I was an adult, so I, I never saw them at the cinema, weirdly enough. Mm. But I th- So I didn't, I didn't quite have that same, that same feeling with it. But I, I think you're right. I think it will depend on your age, definitely. There'll, there'll be a lot of young kids who think that Inside Out is, the, is their favourite Pixar and is the Pixar that means the most to them. And I think the fact that it can do that at, at different ages is really important and it you know and it, it just it just does more and says more than than almost all other live action films really it's mm. it, every pixar film can do more manages to do more and say more about the human condition and about childhood and all these things than most other real life films can live action films can so no it was it was extremely good extremely good i think it's in like my top 3 pixar films definitely like I really, mm. I really enjoyed it, and I came. It was one of the songs I came out, and I spoke to like my boyfriend about it. Like it was like when I went to Minions, I was like, oh, "Shit, <laughs> that was it." But I was like, "Oh, and this mm. happens sometimes." And then, oh, and there's this little bit here. Like it was one of those. It was like it just it looked. It's just like the way the characters were designed. Like they were a bit like like fuzzy around the edges and stuff. It's the little things like that that really set Pixar apart from all the other crap that we see churned out all the time. And obviously, I I notice it because Freddie watches any animated shit that they show on Sky, like, <laughs> and he'll watch it over and over and over again. And you can really tell the difference in what Pixar put out and what someone else puts out. And I think other studios really need to up their game if they want to keep up with Pixar, especially now it's Pixar Disney, you know, and they've mm. got Disney behind them because it's. I think the only thing from DreamWorks I've really enjoyed is being How to Train Your Dragon. Like mm. nothing else yeah. is ever nothing else touches Pixar, and I kind of think, what are the studio? Why can't they see that it's the fact that they make it so? It's it's everyone who watches it. There's something in there for them. Like I think that's what other films really miss. It's like you said, Tony. It's about this world building that no one else seems mm. to do. Yeah, I would. I would definitely. Even if you haven't got kids, just go watch this. It's just it's nice. 
it's nice to watch a film that's not people getting their heads chopped off it's got a, yeah funnily enough because I went with my, my girlfriend up for her birthday actually it was a Monday it was on her birthday and it's she one of the things she said is that it, it's got a really really good message for children a really positive mm. message about you know about how how people should behave and how they should see the world and, and I, I agree I think it's a very very good film for that because it will give a lot of positivity to kids when you know when a lot of everything around them is all negative so I think it's it's a very good film a very important film for kids to see also on July 24th was released uh, a much smaller film starring a much bigger star um, which was uh, Maggie Dad you've protected me all my life now it's my turn to protect you there is life with you not with me Don't come looking for me. I'm safe. I'm fine. Mr. Vogel, I wouldn't normally release someone with this type of infection. Maggie was about a teenage girl in the Midwest who becomes infected by an outbreak of a disease that slowly turns basically the population into kind of cannibalistic zombies, but it's a very slow process. Um, it's not the typical um, kind of quickfire zombie turns that we see in you know in the in the Walking Dead or World War Z or anything like that. Um, it's, it's, it's you know it's a very slow burn. It's over a, you know a number of days they basically die um and they lose their humanity and 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 become um you know this cannibalistic animal that 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 we know and the whole film itself is is very not slow and i don't mean that as a criticism and it's quite intimate and it's about the relationship between arnold schwarzenegger and abigail breslin who plays his on-screen daughter um who, who becomes infected and it's about the decision that ultimately he's got to make. You know, he knows what is happening to her and he knows that soon he is going to have to, to you know, to put her down effectively. And it's, you know, it's about the, the intimacy of their relationship and about, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's not about hordes of zombies coming past their house and, <laughs> you know, we don't even mm. see how she becomes necessarily infected. It's kind of suggested it through kind of flashbacks, but, you know, we don't get this big gory um, kind of sequence where, you know, she's we physically see her um, become infected. It's kind of... It, it's, that's not what the film's about, and it's, it's almost not about zombieism at all. It's, it's, it's not about that. It is simply about the relationship between these two characters and um, you know, you know, I won't spoil the ending, but it's it, that kind of personifies it. It's it's about their relationship. Um, that you know, even this illness can't drive them apart. You know, where it, where you know, in some in some cases, you know, you'd be terrified. Um, you know, to know this is happening to somebody you love, you 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 could potentially push them away. But you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is completely in love with her. You know, he's his everything um you know he even potentially loses his 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 on-screen wife over it uh jolie richardson um who's kind of famous for nip tuck among other things but um Mm. basically she she 
leaves at a point during the film because she can't handle what's happening. Um, it's, it's not her daughter that is um, Abigail Breslin's stepmother, um, but she can't handle. You know, she, she loves her, her stepdaughter not maybe as much as, as as you know Arnie's character, but but she has obviously this affection for her as well. You know, she's been her stepmother and you know the mother figure for her for for a number of years. You know, we don't never see her actual you know biological mum, so, so she has this love for her as well, but she can't handle um, what's happening and, and leaves. You know, whereas it is Arnie sticks it out and, until the very end. And if you want to see something different, if you want to see something that's not a typical zombie movie, which is kind of what, actually what I originally went into, it. I thought, oh, I was a zombie movie. I love zombie movies. You know, I'm a big fan of like the Walking Dead series. So, but it, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting at all. But that's that's not a bad thing. It makes a, an interesting change, doesn't it? In a in a world of you know things like World War Z and and like you say, The Walking Dead, and now Fear the Walking Dead, and all these things to have something mm. that's. It's a bit, a bit of a different approach, and you know, with someone like Arnie in as well. I mean, that is he gives a very good performance. You know, he, you forget with Arnie that actually he, he can act. You know, he, he's not all you know. I'll be back and uh, catchphrases and action sequences. You know, he, yeah. you know, he is an actor underneath it all, and you know, he's, he's it's limited. You know, <laughs> you know, he he can be impressive, and you know, um, Abigail Breslin as well. Um, um, I remember in, her in Little Miss Sunshine. I think she was uh, in Back Along. Um, so to kind of see her, you know, pretty much all grown up, um, it's nice to see. And you know, she's very, very good in, in the role as well. Yeah, I remember her in Signs going back mm. the time. Yeah, that's a long time. She was time. very little. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's one potentially to check out when it hits the uh, the online on demand. Moving on, we're back to the uh, the more the much more blockbustery, and this is probably the the biggest blockbuster realistically of the of this summer period. July thirty mm. first saw the release of the fifth Impossible Mission, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal, immune to any countermeasures, but it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking the syndicate. How come the CIA has never discovered any intel regarding the syndicate? Do you want the polite answer or the truth? We've never met before, right? Now, this one... Obviously, love him or hate him, Tom Cruise. I I quite like him actually. I, 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 he's he's you know he's completely bonkers, mm. um, and what he talks about per- personally is absolute bobbins. But you know he's <laughs> he's uh, he's he's good. He's good in this role. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I've never been a big Cruise fan. You know, I find him irritating, and um, you know a, a lot of the films that. You know, I see him and I go, "This would be so much better without Tom Cruise." <laughs> mm. um, and, um, and and I would argue that, that the first three Mission Impossible films aren't great films. They're okay, but you know, they they're alongside you, you know big mammoths like you know the the Bourne series and, and the Bond franchise, obviously, which were releasing very similar but better material back in the nineties and early two thousands, but. You know, I personally think they turned the corner with with Ghost Protocol, and then this one is is even better. You know, they've done a really good job at kind of 
creating Team IMF, as it were, and, and not just using it as a as an opportunity for Tom Cruise to showboat how daring he is, because you know, obviously, it's, we know he does pretty much all his own stunts. So, yeah, he's mental. He's <laughs> yeah, he's, mental. He's like the plane, you know, that you know that takes yeah. off. We see it in the trailer, and obviously, you know, in the, in the film, he's actually physically being strapped to the side of a plane it's just crazy well they were talking they were talking about that, that i mean it, that the biggest one of the biggest shocks of that film is that that's in the first 5 minutes oh yeah i yeah. I, I, f- I fully thought from the trailers that was that was your climax mm, i was yeah. really surprised pleasantly surprised to find that was at the very beginning hell of a way to open the film and they were talking about how he was at such a velocity and at such a speed that if a if a piece of like of stone had hit him it would have been at the equivalent of a bullet and he would mm. have died yeah, you know, I mean, he, even even with certain safety equipment, I mean, he's he's proper mad, you know, quite brave as well. But I'll take issue on one point there. I I I, I think the only weak Mission Impossible film is Mission Impossible Two, which was directed by John Woo, where yeah. basically they tried to make um, Ethan Hunt into a a, a a quite a wanky American James Bond, really, mm. um, spliced with Hong Kong action cinema, and it didn't work. And it was you know it was it was a very subpar kind of sequel. The first one, you talk about the team element, and that is something that Rogue Nation has. It really brings that all together and kind of coalesces the first, well, all the films, really. There's, there's, throughout Rogue Nation, there are references to pretty much every single f- of the last four films. Yeah. But the first one was all about inverting the idea, you know, the 60s idea of this Mission Impossible Force who are masters of disguise, can do all these things. The idea was that it, fl- it inverted the whole thing. So you had the, the, the head of the IMF team be the villain, obviously. And I personally think that's a really sort of interesting, quite underrated thriller, the first one. It's my, still my favourite, actually. But the second one, like I said, rubbish, on the whole. The third one was basically Alias the movie. You know, it re- mm-hmm. if you've seen Alias the TV show, it really was that. I mean, it even began in exactly the same way as the, the Alias, Alias pilot. Mm-hmm. So and, and it had touched on very, very similar themes about, you know, a spy having to lie to the woman he loves to protect her from what she re- what she really does and what he really does and a villain who's got a massive MacGuffin that you never quite know what it is. Mission Impossible 3 isn't perfect, but it's it's very good in places and Philip Se- the late Philip Seymour Hoffman is fucking mm-hmm. terrifying as a villain. He's really good because he's so callous. Yeah. So that one I've, I've really got a lot of time for. The fourth one is really good after a bit of a wobbly first 20 minutes where it's a bit it drags a little bit it really kicks in then and it's got some fantastic sequences and Ghost Protocol is really the one that sets the tone for Rogue Nation mm. and tees it up really in fact I'll re-watch Ghost Protocol after this at the very end there's a direct reference to the syndicate who are the villains in this film yeah. so you could they were literally teeing this up from then and you didn't really quite realise until afterwards but I think what Rogue Nation does very well is it really, it, even though Tom Cruise headlines it, it does feel like an ensemble mm. in many ways. You know, Simon Pegg gets a lot to do. Rebecca Ferguson as, as Ilsa, who's the, the femme fatale, is she a villain? Is she a good guy, good girl? She's fantastic. Yeah, she, she, she steals the film and she's bursts out of nowhere as a star of the future. And it's just, it's got a really, you can tell Christopher McQuarrie wrote and directed this because it's got that same twisty turny sense of narrative in that mm. it really does have the most complicated story without being too dense, really. I think the only thing with it, and it's got some fantastic action sequences, the whole sequence involving the, the, the going the op- underwater into that, yeah. um, into that tank where they have to go and get that data disc is superbly done. 
Mm, I, think the, the, I think the whole opera house sequence yes, is quite spectacular as well. That too. It, they're, they're really well. They're put together like a Swiss watch. But I think you can you can only see the join in the final climax because they had to they reshot that originally the way it was scripted was a, was something very different and I think it was much more of an action beat mm. but they, they thought that didn't work so they went they, they shut down production for a, a few weeks and then they went back and retooled it and it's got one of those endings that is it's not completely let's explain the plot like I saw in The World's End when I watched that recently which was awful for that it just explained the whole plot at the end and talks the villain to mm. death but this has that whole let's explain what's going on while also doing a bit of a switcheroo and a twisty thing and it it's good it's quite clever even if it makes the villain a bit dumb but it's it just doesn't quite connect I don't think with the rest of the film so that was that was for me where it just fell down a little bit but on the whole really well done I go back to kind of um, what you you know you, you said about the the first and the, the third one being good films I'm not saying they they weren't good films but mm. but arguably they weren't doing anything really that Bond and Bourne weren't already doing better and you know I, I you know I argue it in the the article that that I wrote for for, for the site that that it's the ensemble that makes now this franchise stand out and make it different um, and it works so well with you know the likes of Simon Pegg and, and Jeremy Renner who become so recognisable for for other roles even mm, mm. Um, and it, it takes the spotlight off Tom Cruise slightly. So for those that don't necessarily like him, they can enjoy it a little bit more. Whereas the first three films were just him showboating um, and showing off. And, and it, you know, the first film practically is just him solo because, you know, spoiler alert, the team obviously is disbanded and um, basically pretty much all killed off. Um, and these last two films has set up this team really, really nicely. Um, that it's almost... It's it's almost a bit more like you know spooks or um, um, kind of those kind of ensemble type TV shows where it's, it's it's about a team kind of doing missions and being spies and stuff. It's not just about mm. that one character, but obviously at the end of the day, it's still all about Ethan Hunt wins. Well, I think ultimately what will happen is when Tom Cruise does get a bit too old for this, and I think he's got he's definitely got one more in him, and he possibly two mm. if they film them relatively swift because he's like what fifty fifty one. He's yeah. got a couple more in him, I think, because he's for his age, he's ridiculously in good shape. But no, uh, he's definitely got a couple of of more films in him, and I think that once he does bow out, they will reboot the franchise. And I, I, I personally think that they they will go back to the original the original team from the sixties, which is people like Jim Phelps, Barney Collier, Rollin Hand, all the original sixties characters, a lot of whom you we've not seen in the in the movies because they they mm. reinvented the whole thing. I think you will find that they will go back to that. And someone like George Clooney as an old Jim Phelps would be great as the lead guy. So yeah. I, I think fully that's what they'll do. I don't think all these characters will go on with a, with Jeremy Renner in the lead or nothing like that. I think it will reboot without Tom yeah. Cruise. But I think Rogue Nation is really, really good entertainment. And it, you know, it, it tees it up for, for a potentially really cool, really good sixth and seventh films. It's built up now... This franchise is consistently good at what it does, mm, and it's yeah. it's got its ducks in a row. And I think it's I think it can go from strength to strength. Really, its weakness is losing its women, um, not holding on to them in the same way it's been able to hold on to the men. You know, Ving Rhames has been you know alongside Tom Cruise practically all the way through, with the exception of Ghost Protocol, and um, obviously Simon Pegg now is on his third film, and Jeremy Renner on his second. Um, yet, yeah, other than 
Michelle Monaghan popping up for a cameo at the end of Ghost Protocol. Obviously, no no other woman has actually appeared more than in more than one film. No, I think I think that's a good point, but I think what, one of the big problems they've done is they haven't really cast particularly engaging you know leading ladies. Is. Go on. Can't let them near Tom Cruise because he'll Scientology them with his eyes. Scary, scary Scientology babies who will take over the world. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe they do one film, and they're like, no, it's fine. He won't be as bad as they say he is. And then they're like, no, no, he's and fucking he, nuts. <laughs> Keep him the fuck away from me, like seriously. With yeah, his, it, he's it, got like, oh, like that. I just can't even deal with it. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm upset. Yeah. If well, Rebecca Ferguson doesn't come back for the next film, you know we're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, because they would be mad not to bring her back. So yeah, that was um, that was a good blockbuster. Um, moving on to August the seventh, and um, two less successful ones. In fact, these are probably the two big duds of the of the year of of the well, one of them especially of the year. Let's start with one you particularly didn't like, Dan, which was mm. uh, Pixels. Incoming! Donkey Kong. The only way to take down Pac-Man is with ghosts. You want ghosts? These are your ghosts. Oh, yeah! We're the only ones who can do this! I'm kidding. We are all gonna die. Yeah, Pixels... (laughs) (laughs) Pixels has potentially an excellent premise. And it should be good fun and, you know, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and fucking Peter Dinklage. It, you know, it has all the makings to be a great film. Who's fucking uh, Peter Dinklage? <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a fucked up film, Dan. Yeah. Uh, it's even got Sean Bean in um, for, for like... Does he know, die? Uh, no, he doesn't actually. Oh, rubbish. Uh, yeah, rubbish. Gutted. No, straight away. <laughs> But it, it's got a you know a reasonably good cast. You know Adam Sandler and Kevin James aside. <laughs> you know you Brian Cox pops up, at Sean Bean, and Jane Karowski. I don't think he even says anything. She <laughs> sorry, just sorry. Them. Are you aware what you just said? Brian Cox <laughs> pops up at Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help. You that. two are so mature. <laughs> at least we heard you slap in the chair then. <laughs> Sorry, it had to be done. Carry on, Dan. Yeah, so potentially it's got, you know, the makings to be a great film. And for, for ages, I thought Chris Pratt was in it. And I thought, oh, yeah, another Chris Pratt outing. You know, this, you know, you know what to expect from Chris Pratt now. You know, it would be pretty solid. Um, and then I imagine how disappointed I was when um, the first thing that pops up is that it's a happy Gilmore film. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is an Adam Sandler, isn't it? And... It doesn't disappoint. It's bloody awful. There is potentially one good sequence in the whole film, and that's because Pac-Man is bloody amazing. And otherwise, it's just Adam Sandler and Kevin James playing exactly the same character that they've been playing for the last ten years. And it's outdated, and the humour's crass and immature. Um, It's very unmarketable in the fact that it's a 12A, but it's realistically a kid's film but then the humour is perhaps too adult at times and there would be storylines there that wouldn't hold their attention but then adults will be sitting through going what the fuck am I watching this is a pile of crap teenagers would equally not find the humour particularly funny because 
well, I'd say teenagers wouldn't. Thirteen-year-old boys probably would would find it, you know, funny. But then they probably still think that Dodgeball was a good film, and it, it just doesn't work really. Um, and it's a shame because it had such a good premise going into it. You know, there are members of the cast there that, you know. Uh, have the potential to to do good things and obviously Peter Dinklage is, is great in um, Game of Thrones and well, basically anything he's in and he, he is good in this but it's just let down by the fact that it's such a poor product overall It's directed by Chris Columbus who did um, Home Alone and was involved in writing things like The Goonies and stuff and one of the things he said when he was interviewed was he wanted to make something, because he started with Amblin Entertainment obviously you know which was mm. Spielberg so he's he's a mentee of him one of the things he wanted to do was create a film that he would have enjoyed in the 80s. Now, mm-hmm. whether it's one of those films that would have... I mean, it probably would have worked better in the 80s because it's dealing with a lot of things that are clearly retro now. And that's yeah. obviously the whole point. But you've got that whole disconnect by the sound of it of you know, kids who don't really give a shit about Donkey Kong anymore... So they're not going to be It's if they even it's if they even know who he is. Right. You know, they lot, might they might know who Pac Man is, but you know, they probably maybe. wouldn't you know. Uh, but th- these these are kids who have grown up with you know yeah, they've grown up with Mario and things like that, but they've grown up with with, you know, Half Life and, and Mass Effects and all this kind of thing and Halo. They've not grown up with this. So you, oh, you FIFA obviously. Uh, what, FIFA, yeah. <laughs> um, so you if you're British. So you're dealing with, you know, that kind of thing, but then you've also got the adults who you know, most of them with a with a mind a right mind will be turned off by Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler as usual. It mm. just it just sounds like one of those things. It's just really sort of one of those films that they probably really really enjoyed making, but nobody will enjoy watching. It's it's you know what I mean. Mm. They didn't even look like they were enjoying themselves. You know, oh, right. that, well, that's that's, that's what's even worse is that they look like they're fed up of making this crap and. Michelle Monaghan is, is sitting there wondering what the hell she's doing. Um, I think I don't think she's built up quite a strong enough reputation to not take this film, but she's capable of so much better. You know, she was great in Source Code, and yeah, she, she was you know you know good in Mission Impossible Three, um, and you know there's a number of other films that, she, that she's been in that I you know really liked her, and I've I've always really liked her. Kiss Kiss um, Bang Bang. She was she was yeah. Great yeah, but you know, you, you you just wonder what she, what the hell she was thinking when she signed up to do this. So it can only be that um, she was paid. paid well. yeah. yeah, she was paid a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's one that will be uh, quickly forgotten. Um, one that isn't going to be so quickly forgotten though is the uh, the next one, which is a, a surprise, I think, to a lot of people in how poor this was. The reboot of Fantastic Four. Dr. Storm. We gave you six years and millions of dollars, and you gave us nothing. What's different now? Reed Richards. He knows answers to questions we don't even know to ask yet. This is our chance to learn more about our planet and maybe even save it. I want you to meet my daughter, Sue. You want to be famous? I just want my work to make a difference. John, Reed. This guy doesn't take orders well. Yeah, especially from people who say, I don't take orders well. Don't let any of these lab coats give you any crap, all right? Well, if I do, I know who to call. The muscle. I gotta say, it's fun having you here. Really? No. Now, Emma, I know you you haven't seen this yet, have you? When I was on 
last time I was saying how I knew it was going to be shit. I just knew it was going to be shit. Because whenever they go in and reshoot stuff, you kind of already got a bad feeling about it. Mm. And I was like, I'll watch it anyway because I love Marvel and I love superhero films and I really like the, the original two Fantastic Four films. But then the reviews started coming out and they were so, so bad. And I had the opportunity to go see it and I was like, I'd rather just stay in and take my painkillers and be in pain than go to the pigeon because <laughs> I kind of don't want to see it and admit how bad it, it really is I don't know it, it kind of I don't understand why it's so hard to get the Fantastic Four right I mean it's an ensemble they've done it with Avengers so why can't they do it with this I don't understand and it pisses me off and the cast seem really good I mean the cast is a lot better than last time you know just for a <laughs> well, what with this one? What's interesting is that it, it, nobody quite knows yet who's who's responsible for what ultimately this is. It's not a good film. It's not a terrible, terrible film. It's not one of those films mm. that's so bad it makes you want to bleed, right? Yeah. Or or it's so bad in fact that you need to watch it and enjoy <laughs> it, right? But yeah. well, that's that's the thing is everyone's like, oh, it's one of the you know, it's it's the fourth worst film of all time. No, <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. It's not even the worst. You know, comic book movie ever like no. you know, for fuck's sake Halle Berry's Catwoman was atrocious yeah. you know it, it's that's not an enough. awful film yeah. <laughs> yeah it is That it's not nearly as bad as anything like that right it, the, the problem is it, it's painfully average and that, that, yes. that if anything that's worse I'd rather watch something horrid like Catwoman because at least you can go oh my god with yeah. this I was, I was sitting there going oh I'm just so bored it, it's just it just doesn't work at mm. all. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how much it doesn't work. Really, it's just a bit upsetting. If anything else, you know, you're just like, oh, Kate Mari is so much better than this. Like, you know, sort your fucking wig out and you know, start acting. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, but, <laughs> but there's well, there's two things with that. Two things with that. A, he didn't want to cast her, Josh Trank, who directed it. No, right? he didn't. He didn't want Kate Mara, and apparently, he treated her like crap all the way through. Right. Yeah, she looked miserable, didn't she? Right. Yeah. <laughs> B. Um, if you believe the stories, B. The wig is a consequence of the fact that they basically reshot the heart, the, the entire ending, and the ending is just the first, the, the first like half or at least of the film is this sort of much darker build towards you know, and and you know the ideas in it are quite good, you know, using like parallel dimension where, where they get their powers and. And exploring, like you know, this kind of grungy tech that Reed Richards has created, and and all this, and that there's nothing wrong with that. And there's one bit particularly that betrays the fact that Josh Josh Trank wanted to make a Cronenberg-style body horror film as a superhero movie. And there's mm. a couple of sequences where that that does happen. There's one where they they, they first come back and Reed is stretched out, and you've got Johnny Storm on on fire, and it's it's, it's quite unnerving. And it, you think, oh, yeah. this is, and it's a better that's a better film problem is that when you get to the end and Victor Von Doom unleashes himself as the villain it's just it's just your classic kind of superhero bollocks and, and not mm. really well done superhero bollocks and yeah. you get and you're thinking well well how did this happen and the reason it happened is they they well who knows right they got they, they got a makeshift team to, they, you know I think, I think it was Matthew Vaughan was one of them so basically there was a, a fox called upon three you know their directors that are on their payroll basically to come you know, hashed together some second half of the film, and it's bloody obvious when it happens as well because the style and tone completely mm. change, um, and um, it just it just doesn't work. And what Josh Trank was doing, you know, whether you know, I've, I've heard some people say and, and that 
it, you know, working in cinema, you, you get mixed reviews from it. The people go, oh, yeah, the first hour of the film was really boring. Nothing really happens. But for me, that was so much better. There was a lot more going on. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's all the, you know, mindless gun-toting kind of bang-bang Michael Bay-loving um, idiots that, that, you know, loved the second half. I say loved, that's a strong word, but, you know, preferred, yeah. shall we say, the second half of the film, which was just utter crap. For example, you know, you've got you know, Ben Grimm for one, you know, one moment of bloody hates, you know, <laughs> his guts, and then all of a sudden, two seconds later, they're best mates again. Yeah. And, you know, they're joking about Fantastic Four, you know, jokes and it's just it's just not good and i think what what's tainted it really is is that all the behind the scenes stuff of how you know apparently josh trank was kicked off and then there's there's people who are saying that no he 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 was involved in the cut and he had you know ultimately has to take full responsibility for this mm-hmm. you know you've, you've then got the whole thing of you know did did all the were all the actors properly cast i for me the only the only one who was who was cast well was michael b jordan I, th- I think every all the rest were miscast to a various degree. Jamie Bell was okay, but I think Miles yeah. Teller's just not right for Reed Richards. He doesn't have that leading man charisma yet. Right, he's a good actor. I'm not taking nothing away from his acting. Whiplash proved that, but he's not got that. He's just a mm. bit too smug. You want to punch his face in, and that's not what you need from Reed. Kate Mara is just a bit dull, really, as an actress. A sister would have been much better. And then when you get to the very end, and without spoiling anything, the end is them all lined up, ready for a sequel, where they're all going, we're fantastic. And you're thinking, well, mm. no, you're not, because A, this film <laughs> isn't fantastic, and B, I don't believe you believe this in the first no. place. And no. it, it just, it, you were sitting there, I was sitting there thinking, this is just, you know this doesn't work, I know this doesn't work, let's all be honest about this, let's stop pretending, right? <laughs> I was like, stop pretending. Right, we know this hasn't worked, we know it's a failure, Give it back to Marvel for goodness' yes. sake. Do you re- do you reckon there's some um, you know potential Marvel Disney deal on the horizon? Because that that building at the end looks suspiciously like the same building that the Avengers are currently using. <laughs> I think I think I think there's there's too much raw nerve at this point mm. right now. I think there's there's just too much too many wounds that yeah. are open. They're still being yeah. bullish and saying we're going to do a sequel. We believe in this. We they're, they're basically just trying to save face. The, the, the reality is that that whole sequel thing will quietly die off, right? Yeah. And well, then, then in a couple it, of years, yeah. they will they will make a deal, or they will just let the rights revert very quietly. Yeah. And you know, I will believe the sequel when I see it. Just Fox are just very stubborn. You know, there's a lot of kind of rumours that they just made this film just for the sake of it. They actually didn't care how bad or you know um, you know rushed it was. It actually was, and it's part of the reason Josh Trank was kind of hired in the first place you know the fact that actually they just didn't want to lose the rights yeah um, I think there's truth in that I, th- I would imagine there's a lot of truth in that um, they, they don't they didn't want to lose face and admit that you know because somebody needs to, needs to get this right the, a, a friend of mine who I used to in fact be a, one of my ha- a housemate um, he's a, a burgeoning TV writer and he, and he said that the best way to do this would be to make it a, Mar- a, a Netflix Marvel show and have a, a very sort of you know Doctor Who style, bright and breezy family adventure show with the Fantastic Four. Make it a TV series, and I, I think he's spot on. I think that would be much much better, and they'd be able to get this tonally right instead of it being. I know a lot of people retrospectively have said they like the first first two Fantastic Fours. I still don't, but no, I, I don't. Tonally, I think they're more what what it should be. Definitely. I think mm. it's more in line with, and I'm not an expert by any means, but I think it's more in line with what they what it should be. Dark Fantastic Four, yeah, I know they've done that in the comics, but it's like when you try and darken Spider-Man. 
You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work in the same way. The new Spider-Man will be really good because he's he's just going to be a, a, a mouthy little kit. That is what that is why it will probably be the best one. I think. Yeah, the thing is, is obviously, you know, there there are people, as I already said, that are being overly harsh on it. You know, it's not the worst film of all time. No. Um, and um, you know, to to say that is incredibly insulting to the people that are involved because they know it's not, they know it's not good but they know it's they also know it's not that bad at the end of the day this was partly made with you know the the obsession with that's kind of come along since Christopher Nolan's Batman films is that everything's got to now be dark and gritty and serious and it won't work and won't be a proper film unless it is, you know, because if, you, if, you, if it's too light and fluffy like the originals were, then, you know, it's going to get panned by critics. And unfortunately, they did the opposite and exactly that still happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it, it's a shame, but let's yeah. let's wait and see what happens with this one. I think eventually it will quietly go back to Marvel and, and they will integrate it well or do it right, whatever. Let's move on. Dan, you've got the, um, the box office figures, haven't you, for... Uh for the summer because this is it will look very different from where we were last as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either that's why if you're a b2b marketer you should use linkedin ads linkedin has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience that's right over 70 million decision makers all in one place all the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I do. Uh, this is August 28th uh, to the 30th in the UK. At number 10 uh, is a, a little-known film called 45 Years, uh, which is very popular with the uh, grey audience. Um, I would like it, to see that, though, because that's yeah. got some good actors, Tom Courtney, it, Charlotte Rampley. Yes. Yeah, some very, very good actors in it. We'll be good there. Um, basically, short, long story short, basically about uh, you know the kind of challenges of marriage and um, about this this couple that have reached forty five years of of, of, of marriage and, and about their struggles and, and about their relationship, etc., and where they kind of go from there. Uh, it's, it's it's a new release uh, last weekend, um, so number ten, taken just under half a million pounds, which isn't bad. Uh, number nine. It's been around for ten weeks now. It's uh, DreamWorks Minions, uh, which still took three hundred and fifty-three thousand pounds, and it's taken a total of forty-five million pounds in the UK alone, which is incredible. Number eight review coming up a bit shortly: Paper Towns with Cara Devine in in the cast, uh, a little teen rom com, uh, taken uh, three point five million. Um, in overall seven is the horror sequel that uh, no one really wanted to see uh, Sinister 2 I don't think is... anyone did see it did they uh, no no but it, it, did, it did take just over half a million pounds <coughs> um, in its uh, second week so taking about oh, 2.5 okay. million overall so not too shabby because uh, as are most horror films I suspect it was made on a shoestring number six 
uh, a review also coming up for this one, The Man from Uncle. Hey. Um, which has taken just over five million now in its third week. Um, no doubt we'll hang around for a few more weeks yet. Uh, we just absolutely ripped it apart. Uh, Adam Sanders Pixels is at the number Boo. five. That one, believe it or not, is actually up one place um, on last week. So for some reason, Pixels and Man from Uncle have switched. I can only imagine that is kind of last of the summer holiday uh, rush. All the kids going, what the hell can we take the kids to now? Well, there's this little-known film called Pixels that you can yeah. go At number four, we reviewed it earlier, um, to much high praise, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Hey took just under 900,000 in its fifth week, so taking a total of £18 million pounds in the Not UK. Bad. Number three, review coming up, uh, it was new out that weekend, it was Hitman Agent 47. Believe it or not, took just under a million pounds, but this mm. is week one, so you'd expect it to at least take a million, or you would hope it would anyway. Mm. Drop like a stone. It will. Um, and number two, Pixar's Inside Out, which we uh, unanimously uh, yeah. loved. Uh, over £33 million in week six. That will probably hang around throughout September, mm. probably October. If it's, anything like, if it's anything like Minions, it'll probably still be there at bloody Christmas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and at number one, we've got a written review coming up with it from uh, Mr. Matt Latham. It's straight out of Compton. Yeah. Uh, which took two point five million pounds in week one, so that's the box office top ten. Yeah. It will straight out of Compton. Will um, has done a very good business in America, and it will. Mm. Uh, I'm not surprised. It, it makes a lot of sense. As as we say, um, Matt Latham has done a um, a written review of that for us. He uh, couldn't be here today. He's um, he's busy. He's done a written review, which is which is good. He'll be giving his thoughts. That will be going live on the Black Hole Online blog um, very shortly. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Okay, moving slightly back then from that was the current box office. Um, we're going to go back in time and talk about uh, August 14th. So we're right uh, smack bang in the middle now. And that week, the big release was The Man from Uncle. Are they still following us? Yes. Is there one of them? Hmm? Is he looking at us? Mm-hmm. Does he have just one hand on the steering wheel? Mm-hmm. When you hear something that sounds like a gunshot, drive. So, yeah, this was an adaptation of the six, 1960s TV show which starred Robert Vaughan and uh, David McCallum a bit forgotten really it's it's not really been on much on like ITV2 not as much as The Saint and you know things like that and The Avengers which are much better remembered but it was quite a fun idea it was you know it's at the height of the Cold War an agent of America of an American intelligence agency and an agent of the KGB have to come together to work for a bigger sort of multi spanning agency called Uncle to fight you know, some bonkers stuff. The TV show had him fighting robots and all kinds of mad shit. But uh, it was, it was from what I saw as a kid, it was fun. And this, this is fun. It's one of those films, The Man from Uncle, that is deep as a puddle. It's classic Guy Ritchie in that it's all style, sleekness, charm, cheekiness. But it's, it's enjoyable. You know, it's fun. It's, um, it's a good ride. It's, and and it, it surprised me because. I don't particularly find Henry Cavill 
a much of an actor. I he didn't he hasn't convinced me of Superman yet particularly. I don't I find him quite du- quite dull. Army Hammer. I, I before this I didn't really I know he's a decent actor but I never quite got him either. But they were they were really good in this. Cavilla's Napoleon Solo, who's the you know the charming, stylish American <laughs> based. Uh, yeah. Napoleon Solo. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, that's his name. Napoleon Solo. Yeah. This was before the days of Han Solo. And only yeah. uh, in Hollywood do they uh, cast a Brit as an American and an American right. as a Russian. <laughs> right, yeah, it's it's a bit mad, but he but he's really good, Cavill, because he's basically playing James Bond in the sixties. Just mm. American. He really is. It's that whole that literally at one point a, a, a chambermaid comes in. In, in his posh hotel in, in wherever, in Rome, and says, "Could they, is there anything else I can do for you? And he looks over his paper and goes, what time do you finish? <laughs> it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. That's horrible. She, I know, and she just, she just closes the door then and stays with it. It's, it's just... It's, it's, oh. just that, it's not as sleazy as I'm making it sound. It's actually quite funny. And that kind of old James Bond kind of, can I help you, Mr. Bond? And he's like, well, I'm sure I can think of something. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's done very much with a wink and a nod. And you, then Army Hammer is, is the opposite because he's, he's the very taciturn, angry, serious beast of a Russian. He finds things very important. And then you've got Solo just being, you know, Ilya Kuryakin, his name is. And he's just there going, hey, man, just chill out. Have, have a martini. And he's like, no, we, I cannot, I cannot, I have, I have mission and all that. So it's quite funny because they're, they're butting heads all the way through because they're complete opposites. And in the middle, you've got Alicia Vikander, who's this quite tomboyish, but obviously very cute, love interest, <laughs> sort of just, she's, she's also the plot MacGuffin, really. Mm. Um, I, I will just say about Vikander, she is really standing out as an incredible actress. She's got, I think, such a bright future ahead of her. You know, from from Ex Machina earlier on in the year yes. to uh, Danish Girl, Danish, yeah, uh, the Danish girl. which the Danish Girl with uh, Eddie Redmayne and and, and her, herself, um, which the trailer kind of uh, dropped earlier on in the week. And that's incredible. That is incredible. And uh, you know, she, I hope she's at least bloody nominated for an Academy Award because um, she's had a fantastic start. Because she's come from nowhere, completely out yeah. of She's she's got a lot of promise. She's she's being quite canny with what she's choosing. She's also been mm. born five. She's in the next born film. Yeah. She's being she's being quite clever with what she does. And you know, she's getting that balance right. And she's perfectly good in this. Now mm. in, in a, works, she's working her socks off. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's in everything. She's doing really well. And then you've got um an actress called Elizabeth Debicki, who I wasn't familiar with before, as playing the villainess. Um, and she's like this evil British contessa who's like rich and, and she's great because she's just she's really sort of ice maiden cold and some of the lines like she at one point she, she ends up seducing Solo and then she has him captured because the, the whole story don't worry about the story the story's bobbins it's all like you know old Nazis trying to do nuclear weapons and all this don't worry about that they don't care about the story don't, you don't have to worry either but at one point they, ca- they capture Solo and she's there and she goes, um, I've got to go. And she says, I'm so sorry, I can't finish you off myself. And it's things like, it's little lines like that, where you're just going, <laughs> it's just really funny. And then it, it just, it's very much Guy Ritchie in that it knows how silly it is. It knows how winky it is to like bond of old and old spy capers, like, you know, Am and Flint and all this kind of stuff. And it just enjoys. It, it, it's having fun and you have fun with it. It, it's a bit baggy it's a bit too long the mm. plot isn't much there isn't much of a plot really but it doesn't matter because you're having fun with the characters and uh, it, I think Cavill and 
and Hammer. I hope they do a sequel. I imagine they will. It tees up perfectly for a sequel. And it's yeah, it's just a laugh. It's a good laugh, and it's 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 not the best film of the summer, but it's definitely one I'd recommend. Next up, Dan, you uh, you saw another that week. Absolutely anything. By the power invested in me by the Intergalactic Council, I hereby pronounce a destruction order on the planet Earth. The usual test, Skylink. One Earthling will be picked at random. To prove he can use absolute power for good. But if he uses it for evil, the Earth will be eliminated. Suppose there was one thing you could do that would change your life for the better. Oh, that's easy. I would be able to see Catherine from downstairs. <gasps> I can make things happen. Clothes? Get dressed on me. All I have to do is wave my hand. Dennis, be able to speak. Biscuits. What? Biscuits. Please, please, please. Nothing else matters. Come to think of it, I wouldn't mind shagging your leg right now. Yes, uh, the final film for Robin Williams. He plays the voice of Dennis the dog alongside the, the beautiful Kate Beckinsale and uh, uh, Simon Pegg. Um, it's a very short little film, 85 minutes um, overall. Uh, you've also got the uh, voices of the, the guys from Monty Python playing the uh, intelligent uh, alien life force um, that basically uh, test the human race, you know, whether they survive or not, by giving Simon Pegg's character, I'm trying to forget a thing of his name now, Neil, uh, Neil Clark, basically they give him the power of anything. Uh, so with a wave of his hand, anything will happen. Um, so, you know, give me the body of a, of a good man, and it turns into Albert Einstein, obviously. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and then um, it's, you know, it's, it's all little gags about that where, you know, if he's not specific enough, then something he you know, doesn't want to happen happens. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a chuckle. Um, it's it's not like kind of you know laugh laugh your belly off the, your ribs hurt afterwards, you know. But it, it, it's silly. It knows exactly what it is. You know, it doesn't pretend it's intelligent or you know thought provoking. It just kind of is what it is. You know, foresight. Robin Williams probably would have liked to have been remembered for for a more impressive final film. Um, but, but, you know, if you want something light and, you know, that you can just go along and laugh too, then it, it's perfectly fine for that. It's, it's not thought-provoking it, it, in the way that it perhaps could have been. But, you know, Simon Pegg puts in kind of a delightfully British performance and, um, as I said, Kate Beckinsale was just, you know, stunning in it. And, um, you know, the, the, yeah. there's, there's some nice little, you know, kind of pop-ups and cameos and uh, from, a, you know, a big kind of familiar British cast um, Eddie Izzard Joanna Lumley pops up um, as I said obviously the the voices of Monty Python John Cleese etc um, Mira Seihol pops up a couple of times Michael Palin you know it's it's you know full of, of, of you know familiar faces that Brits um, are going to be able to identify well it's uh, by Terry Jones isn't it Terry Jones yeah. is the director so it's it's Python in, you know yes. at its heart it's Python at its heart yeah, kind of. It, it's uh, uh, the kind of critics have kind of uh, kind of said it's it's perhaps a Monty Python sketch that's a little bit too long. But uh, yeah. you know, as I said, it's, it runs at eighty five minutes. You know, it's, it's banging. You're out. You know, it's shorter than most kids' films nowadays. Um, so yeah. if you just want, you know, you've got a spare hour and a half, just go along and just 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 have a little laugh. Fair enough. Speaking of laughs, the week after was uh, a comedy, which August twenty first, which saw. Um, a, the rising star of Amy Schumer, Pierre, in uh, Trainwreck. Girls, your mother and I are getting divorced. Monogamy isn't realistic. Monogamy isn't realistic. Again. Monogamy isn't realistic. I didn't understand that word at the time. 
But now, I know exactly what he was talking about. Saturday, I would love it if you were my date. I can't do that because, like, you and I won't ever see each other again. I wake up late every morning, money just cooling, I'm still with you. Morning. Oh, Amy. What happened? The church let out early? Tom's sweater. Does he teach computer in a church basement? Don't get all threatened just because you don't understand the concept of marriage. You dress him like that so nobody else wants to have sex with him. That's cool. Hey! Now you saw this one, Emma, didn't you? Yeah. So, Amy Schumer plays Amy, who is... Uh, inventive, inventive So, so clever. She is the aforementioned train wreck and she drinks and she sleeps around and she's basically she's doing all the things men do but it's trying to obviously she's you know how sexist you you know you know what it's trying to do straight away like she's it's trying to take away that kind of i think slut shaming element that comes across when a woman is in film and she sleeps around and she drinks a lot and john cena's in it because obviously i watch him every week on the wrestling and his character was so different i think it loses a bit of itself about when she like gets into the relationship with bill Hader, it kind of loses its way and then it turns into like a really typical rom-com like she changes her ways for the man she loves and and all that kind of thing and i was i think i would have enjoyed it more if if the relationship hadn't worked and it kind of been like some people aren't meant to be in a relationship some people you don't have to be in a relationship to be happy and not everyone needs fixing and i I kind of don't feel like they set out to kind of end it in that way or to tell that kind of story but that's what definitely came across for me like something happens and they, they break up and she does something and then like a sister's like you have to change your ways so she like gets rid of all her booze and she starts working really hard and i was a bit like well why why did she have to do that i understand it's called train wreck and stuff but i kind of felt like it just went back to the age-old thing of oh no man's gonna want you if you've if you've had this past no man's ever gonna want you do you know do you yeah know? It, it, it i was seems... i was really kind of disappointed in it in that way because mm. I, like I said, I would prefer it if she had sat Bill Hader down and just gone, do you know what, well, I can't be in a relationship, it doesn't work for me, I know what works for me, and that's okay. I thought that would have been not more empowering, but just more interesting. And yeah. I just, I didn't I didn't like how it ended, but then obviously, I didn't. I knew how it was going to end. I think anyone mm. knows how it's going to end. But it is really funny. It is a bit where like, she's like, John Cena's kind of breaking up with her and she's just going, I'm so high right now, I can't deal with this, can we talk about it later? And he's just like, no. And he's like fighting with some guy in the cinema, but he keeps making like really, he keeps insulting him in a homosexual way. He's like, I'm going to lick your asshole. It's like, <laughs> instead of like saying, I'm going to take you outside, I'm going to bat you, he goes, I'll lick your asshole. <laughs> like, it is it is funny, I would say like the first hour was really funny, and but she, like Amy Schumer, you can kind of tell they've gone for the whole like bridesmaid kind of thing, and you know the whole like kiss and wig and Melissa McCarthy kind of what they've got going on. But I don't know, it, it kind of did lose its way. And mm. I know like bridesmaid, she ended up with um, Chris O'Dowd in the end. But I just I would have liked it to not end it the same way as every other fucking rom com I've ever seen in my entire life. Just watch it for John Cena. He's in it for like the first forty-five minutes, and I was just like, "You, you're not John Cena. You're not the guy that my son absolutely loves every week, saying those dirty things." <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's 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 just it kind of loses its way. But I think it's a good start for Amy Schumer in like films and stuff. But yeah, disappointing in the end. And it's, it's funny you say that because of how um, you know, kind of. Uh, 
controversial she's been, it does seem like what you're saying about the fact that it almost doesn't seem like the film that she maybe wanted to make. Yeah. Um, more the ending that you kind of suggested is perhaps more what she was going for, and it might even be what they originally wrote, and then you know the kind of perhaps the network stepped in and goes, no, you yeah. can't do that. They've got they've got to, they've got to have their happy ending. That's how films yeah. end, you know. Kind of. I mean, that's I what the audience want. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn into this big like you know, this debate on, like, how women are portrayed in films and all that, because that kind of shit doesn't really interest me to a certain extent. Anyway, but I just... I find the way romance is portrayed, I mean, heterosexual romance, it's just the same shit all the time. Mm. And some... Like, the majority of relationships, okay, you get together and it's all lovey-dovey, and then you kind of settle into this really mundane routine. Like, it happens to everyone. It's the same with Mike. I'm not saying I'll relationships boring if you listen i'm not but you know how like you kind of get into these little habits like i know like mike's gonna come see me so many days a week and once a month we'll go here and we'll do this but that that's just how it is that's kind of like that's Mm. how you want your relationship to be i think Mm. that's when you know you've got it together yeah but every rom-com is like lovey-dovey boring 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 drama god no quick catch her she's on an airplane propose yay marriage she's converted <laughs> i don't know anyone that ha- like seriously i swear to god if mike proposed to me on top of like the eiffel tower or something i'd push him off <laughs> Where or, is la- the- or laugh probably i probably would probably both do both probably, yeah. <laughs> but where's the wrong come for like not every girl's like that. Not every girl wants to be in a relationship. Not every girl wants some guy to. I find it really uncomfortable to be like showered with gifts and affection, and I'm just like, oh no, no, it's it's okay, it's cool. I like. Uh, it, where's the rom com for people like me? Because there's more of us. Oh, yeah, I think no, it's no. kind of outdated in the fact that actually yeah. it's now the opposite way around. More women are like as you're explaining, and I think that the the kind of old kind of. Bridget Jones that wants her, you know, feet swept away and, and, and you know, wants to be showered with gifts and, and adored and worshipped. That, that's very old-fashioned. You know, and I don't think most women think like that, particularly young women don't think like that these it, days. In a, in a weird way, I think more men associate with, with this, oddly enough. I think you, yeah. you find there's a lot... There's a lot of um, women. I mean, you know, my, my girlfriend's exactly the same. She doesn't like fuss. She doesn't like constant soppiness. You know, she's she's exactly the same. And it's it's I th- I think there's there's an issue. There's a thing with with this, with you know these wrong guys. This is Judd Apatow. You know, Judd Apatow. Mm. He most most of the time he caves to the to the you know the saccharine in the end. You know, he he gives in, especially in his more recent films. You know, he, the edge is definitely gone from him. Um, mm. He gives in in the end, and he gives people ha- happy endings. So, I think that's that's part of the problem, really. And yeah, I think the, the gender stereotypes of it are, are very clear. And obviously, it was tainted, wasn't it? About because of the um, the shootings that happened in America yeah. in a showing yeah. of Trainwreck. So, um, but oh, not that that is a reflection on the film in any way. But it just seems a little bit slightly misconceived. I kind of feel like a lot of other genres are evolving. Like we talk about, like. We've done with the man from Uncle before in uh, Mission Impossible and the new Bond and Bourne. Like the spy genre has evolved, and yeah. you know horror is constantly evolving and shit like that. And action's evolving, and rom com is the fucking same as it's always been. It's just yeah. the same formula. And mm-hmm. like you said, gender roles evolved since the 1950s. Women just don't say women just don't want to get married anymore. But that's all we're seeing, like constantly, all the time. And they'll be trying to make 
women, career women, but it's always like that's an issue. Oh, baby, mm. you work so much. Oh, well, I'll sacrifice my career to keep you happy. Like, and I don't know if this is the same in films where you know you have a homosexual couple. Like, is is it that the same dynamic that they portray all the time, or is just is it just this? And why is it just this? It's it's boring as fuck. Yeah. It really is. It's just so frustrating. Like. It, it's it's mm. 2015 now. Relationships aren't the same anymore. Mm. And even uh, when you've got like friends with benefits, with Justin Timberlake and Amelia Kunis, they end up they end up getting together. And there's going to be a film probably next year about a couple who meet on Tinder and end up getting married, despite all the fact <laughs> that she's swiped right and all the, like. Dating is evolving and relationships are evolving, but yeah. movies aren't evolving yeah. to reflect that at all. Oh, and <laughs> and I ain't, I'm not watching another one. I'm never watching another fucking one ever again. Until I write it myself, and it'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think um, men are the, are the more um, are more geared towards commitment now than ever before. You know, I, I you know, I, I've got a lot of female friends, um, so I'm, I'm not. I'm still not going to pretend I understand women because I do not. <laughs> but I, I do feel like it's, it's actually the men that want the commitment now. It, it's women that want to go. You know, all, all my female friends. That you know, I don't think any of them. One is in a relationship. All the rest of them, are, you know, they're traveling the world, and you know, they're you know banging on with their career and and all that. I've actually got one friend who's kind of the old fashioned. She settled down. She you know, she met him when she was seventeen, eighteen. And they've been together for years, and then it, now they you know they settled down, bought an apartment, bought a house, got engaged, got married. She's now just qualified to become a teacher. Um, and no doubt they'll have a baby in no time. That's the kind of old-fashioned kind of way of, you know, how we view relationships, and that's how rom-coms are still kind mm. of painting as it were. But that's not the women that I know. It's not It's not the women I know either. Like, also, I've, I've got, like, two female friends. That's it. One of them is in a relationship. The other's recently single. And I don't think either of them have any plans to settle down anytime mm. soon. I mean, obviously... I was the only person, the first person I knew to get married and have a child, and I was really, really quite young. And even the way like single mothers are portrayed in rom coms were like you portrayed as like the shrew, the man hater. Mm. Oh my, like my kid's dad's yeah. an asshole. But I don't know. Like me and Mike talk about getting married and having more children, and I'll probably end up. I wouldn't be surprised if I had the baby before I was like thirty-one. But you don't see that kind of like, and I think that's that's a new thing as well. Like families like breaking up and mm. forming new families with other people with other children Absolutely. i mean it, it, it's never showing and that's, that's what pisses me off because especially the way single mothers are represented i feel in society i feel a lot of shit from people being mm. a single mother who lives at home with her parents and who's a scouser dirty <laughs> dirty scouse single mother <laughs> you know, i feel i feel a lot of hate from society and i think yeah. people assume that I like Freddie was an accident. They don't, they don't assume that I was married and like yeah. my marriage ended. They don't assume that I've got I'm in a new relationship, which, which is really good. They just look at me and think, single mother, she must be on the dole. None of the other stuff I have done so far in my life matters to some people. All that matters is that I have a child and I'm not married to that child's father anymore. And that is it. And we are literally looked at like scumbags and it pisses me off. 
but that that movie is never going to come out of America. It's, it's, it's got no, we won't. Because the, in American society, they still paint it as the white picket fence, the perfect family. Uh, what they what they seem to forget is most of the husbands are, are unfaithful to their wives. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's, there's a crucial element with this, though, in that it, you've, you've got to look at it from the way studios market films. Mm. And that what you've just described, Em, is true to real life. I know people myself, and it would be true in America, but it yeah. won't play well it's, to no. a test audience. And no, they, they know that people won't go out to see a film that's a bit too real. The whole idea no. of something like Trainwreck is that it's the dream, isn't it? It's the romantic dream of a you know a self-empowered woman who's you know taking it back for herself, and then she meets a man who can you know convince her she wants you know it's that it's that yeah, kind of it's that path it's that fantasy it's, almost. Whose dream is that though? That that's yeah, the question that's I want to ask. Saying, yeah. I think and it's, it's like, actually the, it's, it's surprisingly obviously rom-coms are geared towards women. However, I don't believe that's don't, the, mod, the modern woman's I, dream. That's the man's I, dream. <laughs> I don't know any... The only woman I know who enjoys a rom-com is my mum, and she enjoys like the old-fashioned ones. I think what you were saying, Dan, is like a film about a single mum wouldn't be America-made. I think it it would, like, you could get British filmmakers to make something, but kind of worried that they'd make it really gritty, like, council estate mum with yeah. three kids working yeah, exactly. hard at the chippy, like, <laughs> that's, that's not, I don't feel stereotyped often, but this makes me feel stereotyped, in, especially in the society we live in with, you know, the cracking down on benefits, and there's a yeah. big, like, thing in the media about people on benefits. Like, I'm on a few benefits that I get through working, but I still feel like right now society's looking at me going stupid bitch slag scumbag you know but it's it's all too close to the truth you know and that's why people they struggle to laugh at something that's too close to the truth quite often you know if we get to a point where the benefits issue isn't the problem you will get some kind of knockabout benefit comedy but it won't Mm. it won't happen while it's still something that really really touches a raw nerve something like train wreck which is that romantic ideal you know technically flipped if you if you if you think about it in how they would imagine it in a marketing thing, oh, it's about you know an independent woman who's taking back the sex for herself and she's then going to meet you know she's in control of all this, which is fine, nothing wrong with that at all. But the whole idea is that it may not be particularly representative to a lot of people. It, but it will play well, and it did play well. Obviously, not in yeah. that one cinema, but it, you know, it played. It played well, and it did fairly well. And it, sorry, and it got Amy's. It got. You're Amy's, so gonna have to edit that out. Yeah, I know. Yes. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry to anyone listening. I may not even cut that. I may keep it. Um, but it's. Um, yeah, it's just to be fair though. In, in fairness to Trainwreck, if it gets people having this conversation, it's done some kind of job. You know, yeah. it hasn't just completely I don't think faded. It will. I, I don't think it will. I think people like us will see here. I think I, yeah, but I think with with comedy, especially even if it's got a deeper meaning behind it, I don't think people are going to essentially walk away and say we should talk about this because it's comedy and it's not meant to be taken seriously. And I get that to a certain extent, but obviously. The amount of times I've sat on here and bitched about when Harry met Sally and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just, it's probably the one thing that pisses me off the most because of the situation I'm in and because of the experience I've had. But I just want someone to go out there and just make a real film about real relationships and how they really fucking work so we can stop teaching young girls and even young boys that this is how your life's going to be and it's all going to be easy and yeah. everything's going to work Absolutely. out okay in the end. Because sometimes it's not, it's not good and you could well end up on your own and that's not the worst fucking thing in the world the worst thing in the world is to be a horrible bastard arsehole who makes other people miserable it's not the worst Mm. thing in the world to be on your own it's okay so why can't we do that 
This, this, this has got really deep. This is now turned into a black hole soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next spin-off podcast um, that we'll do. <laughs> black hole soapbox. So yeah, another film but that it, came it's out. Okay. Oh, thanks for that. <laughs> <It's all right. laughs> um, yeah, another film that came out the same week was um, didn't quite touch us the same kind of nerve. This was um, Paper Towns. The way I figure it, everyone gets a miracle. My miracle was I wound up living across the street from Margot Roth Spiegelman. She was arguably the most gorgeous creature that God had ever created. Margot's life was a series of unbelievably epic adventures. Are you going to spend the rest of high school pining for this girl? As senior year drew to a close, Margo and I were practically strangers. Until this one night. What the? Margo? I need to borrow your car. What? I have nine things I need to do tonight. Can't you just get your boyfriend to do it? Ex-boyfriend. I always keep calling paper towels. <laughs> I think that's funnier. Yeah. Um, Dan, you saw this, didn't you? Uh, yeah, Paper Towns is um, a, a, another book adaptation uh, from the author John Green, uh, the YouTuber and uh, nerd extraordinaire. Um, stars uh, Nat Wolf and Cara Delvine alongside a, a you know a, t- a teenage cast of uncharismatic bastards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which, quite frankly, kind of sums up the film. You know, Cara, Cara Delby, quite, uh, is, she's, she's quite uh, engaging. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how she gets on with stuff like Suicide Squad and um, those kind of bigger properties. But Nat Wolf is the most uncharismatic male lead. I've ever, he's just so fucking boring. It's kind of like, it's Andrew Garfield kind of, you know, awkward teen kind of, you know, you could even, you know, you could put someone like, you know, like Andrew Garfield, or you know, like maybe even Logan Lerman, who at least is a little bit more engaging. But Nat Wolf is so boring, it's just so monotone. Even when he's trying to be funny, it it just plays across as dull. And I only got through about an hour, I think, of the film before I thought, nah, I've got better things to do. <laughs> well. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the, the kind of synopsis of it is is that basically uh, the character of Quentin, played by Nat Wolf, um, has uh, has been in love with this girl for as long as he can remember. Margot, played by uh, Cara Delvine, who's a kind of um, eccentric kind of girl. You know, she's you know she's the most popular girl kind of in school, but it's also because she's different and quirky and and, and basically oh she kind of. After a, a horrendous breakup, where she finds out that her boyfriend, uh, you know, a jock boyfriend, is cheating on her with her best friend, she basically goes on this kind of a revenge spree and then disappears. Um, and Quentin then kind of, um, you know, thinking of his dick, kind of follows her around the uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the place um, and ropes in his his very. Ch- they're all very strange looking as well. Cara Delvine has got very prominent eyebrows, which she's kind of well known mm. for. Um, then there's Austin Abrahams, I think it is, who plays the kind of friend who I think has a monobrow going on <laughs> for most of the film. And all of the cast just look a little bizarre. They're not quite normal looking, which I, maybe that's kind of part of the point. But um, um, yeah, it's just, I don't think it will hit the same kind of notes that Fault in Our Stars will. Yeah, which I you know I hold my hands, but I haven't seen. Um, but I think obviously the source material of that, you know, obviously was able to strike a chord, which I don't think this remotely will. Um, not only that, but Fault, Fault and Our Stars had you know a, a, 
you know, two good leads um, in Shailene Woodley and um, uh, Ansel Elgort, El- 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 I think. Um, Ridiculous they- name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 solo. Uh, yeah, um, but basically Nat Wolf seemed to have gotten promoted from playing kind of a, a sidekick in in that film to kind of you know becoming the lead and you know unfairly in this because he's just bloody useless. I can't see him having much of a career if I'm honest. <laughs> well, he looked he looked very dull. I mm, mean, Cara Delevingne is he's one of those people you you know you either like her or you don't. I think she's she's got something to prove yet with the acting. You know, she deserves yeah. a bit more of a chance. But yeah, I think this is one that will go down as a fairly uninteresting piece of cinema, as will the the last film we talk about tonight, which was re- the last release from la- last weekend. Obviously, we're going to have the Straight Outta Compton um, written review, um, as I sa- as I said earlier. But uh, the film that came out alongside that was the enormously unremarkable Hitman Agent Forty Seven. Why don't we start with your name? 47. That's not a name. No. But it is mine. What exactly are you? An assassin. And you're here to kill who? You should really let me go. Last time I checked, you're the one locked in here with me, and I'm the one with the gun. No, Mr. Sanders. You're locked in here with me, and you just brought me mine. Do you remember the last one? Do you remember the last Hitman with uh, Timothy no. Timothy Oliphant, Elephant, whatever his name is? <laughs> I uh, vaguely, vaguely remember, but I didn't see it, no. No, well, you and most other people, I think. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was one of those, it was It was rubbish. It was, you know, it, it was, the Hitman games are very good. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, back yeah. in the days I used to be a gamer, I'm not really anymore, but back in the days I played a fair few of those and they were great fun, really good. They're all about stealth, ultimately. Yes. The whole idea of Hitman is that he, obviously he's a Hitman, uh, a mysterious assassin called Agent 47, who gets missions in all kinds of different places, like embassies, and he has to he has to get in and get out, ideally, without anyone knowing he was there, to take out targets that are usually ambassadors or generals or all these kind of, you know, he's, he, he works for a high-end assassin organisation in the world called The Syndicate. And, you know, that's a great, great concept. Not to this, be confused with Mission Impossible. <laughs> not to be confused with Mission Impossible, no. This film has all the subtlety of a brick tied to an anvil, thrown off a building. It is so just crushingly obvious in every way. Not terrible. In fact, it might even be slightly better than the last Hitman film, but that's damning with fake praise. It's just so obviously plodding and dull and boring and plot is basically the hitman has to find this girl whose dad invented a, a bad weapon and he has to try and kill her but then it turns out that it, it seems that Zachary Quinto is the, the the savior in this and then he turns out to be the bad guy and hitman has to save her even though it makes far more sense that the hitman who is a pretty scary big bald dude right with all these skills should you know in the first, funnily enough in, when he's when he's actually seems to be the villain in the first half an hour he's much much better and you really get the sense that he could, if they'd have played that for the whole film, he'd be like this Terminator-style silent killer, and it would have been much, much more entertaining. But no, they have to, they have to start exploring the 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 the, the, the man within, the un- the unemotional, tormented clone hitman, you know, Rupert Friend, who was in stuff like the Homeland. Young Victoria Homeland. 
you know, not a bad actor. In I can't fact, imagine him bald though. <laughs> well, the thing is, if if you put if you put hair on him in this film, there are, he, and I said this in my written review, he he would make a decent candidate for the next James Bond because mm. there are there are some very he's very good at the action stuff. I take nothing away from him. He comes out with a bit of dignity. But it's like, yeah, you're yawning, Emma. That's how I felt, right? It was it was that kind of thing, and I was just like, just one of those dull action films that offers nothing new, and I'm bored even talking about it. It's it's just it's so easy to make a Hitman game. A Hitman game would be so easy to make into a movie. It boggles the mind why they can't get it right. So yeah, just don't bother. Don't bother with that. Just go and watch <laughs> go and watch The Man from Uncourt and have a laugh. Go and watch Mission Impossible to see how espionage really works. And then Or or Mad Max Fury Road has recently come out on DVD, so buy that. Yes, or buy that. On buy it on Blu-ray for goodness sake. Mm, buy it yes, on the best. Put it on a massive telly, put the sound mm. up to maximum and blow your face off. That's what you should do. But mm. yeah, so that was the summer. Yeah. We we were kinda of at a halfway point now. I we, we kind of brought it up on Twitter. But, I thought you made this podcast. I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, that's going to work tomorrow. <laughs> but, um, but where, where, where are we kind of, um, you know, we kind of mentioned where we would place things already, um, you know, that the inside out potentially would be you know, in top freeze or whatever, but, you know, what we're thinking in terms of top freeze at the moment. Well, if you want, I'll give you a top five. Because using Letterboxd, like the film oh. nerd I am, I actually, man- I actually collate my films. Mm. So um, at number five, Kingsman. The Secret Absolutely. Service. Brilliant, yeah. Which I thought was great fun. And number four, Fast and Furious 7, and I'm not joking, because that is complete nonsense, but boy, is that entertaining, right? Is that a lot of fun? And it's either that I haven't seen the good films this year, or it's been a weak year for films, because really, that shouldn't be in my top five. No. Really. It's good, but it shouldn't be in my top five. Mm. But it is. At number three, Amy the Amy Winehouse documentary, which I, I really liked. I thought that was extremely good, extremely well done, and really quite powerful. Uh, number two is Inside Out, uh, as I've said, and number one, he's still Mad Max, without question. That's the best film of the year. Yeah. Uh, my number five, probably Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, because mm. I, yeah. I had a lot of fun watching that. I, you know, I I remember going into it thinking, oh, I'll be all right, you know, but it, mm. but it, it did impress me. Uh, number four was Inside Out. Uh, number three was Kingsman. Uh, mm. Number two, number two, Mad Max, and number one, actually Whiplash. If we can kind of include that, because um, obviously it kind uh, of on, it's kind of on the border there, isn't it? Between it was released yeah. Jan- January in this in the UK, so I'm including it in mine. For me, for me, that's still the film that I still can't quite describe how I felt watching that film. It is, I, I don't think I've ever felt any anywhere close to how I felt watching that film. It was so it's intense, so brilliant. It just terrific, blew yeah. my socks off. If that would that would be in what well, that would probably be number two for me if if it was if I was counting it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. How about you, Emma? Have you have you got any kind of tally or I don't think I've seen five fucking films this year to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When she um, she just lies. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen Age of Ultron. <laughs> Kingsman is definitely up there. Inside Out. What the fuck else have I seen? An Age of Ultron. Because I, I literally haven't been able to get out to the cinema as much as I want this year. And, Hang on, and, there's one film that you're missing that I know you loved. What, what? is it? I don't know. Fifty Shades what? of Grey. 
fuck off did you do that to me shut up it's like I've blanked that from my mind I am um, I haven't I don't know if there's just not been a lot out this year that I really wanted to see but obviously I have been out over the summer for health reasons and things like that I really enjoyed Jurassic World as well I don't give a shit what people say about it on Twitter yeah, it I enjoyed it, it but what are you guys looking forward to that's coming out in the next couple of weeks? Because I've just been having a look. I really want to see Everest, but mm. I kind of feel like I'll have a panic attack and leave halfway through. <laughs> it just looks... I can't deal with stuff like that. I'm um, to Legend. Legend. Yes, I want to see Legend. The Martian. Really yes. want to see yeah, Martian. Damon. Yeah. And Crimson Peak. Man, and then... Damon. And then... I'll Spectre. probably go see Goosebumps as well. Yeah, just, yeah. That, that's, that's coming out. I'm looking forward to Macbeth. As well. Oh, yes. Yeah, I might love. drag someone to see Macbeth because yeah. I love Fassbender. Anyway. Mm, Fass- and yeah, Spectre. I forgot Spectre. Spectre's coming out. Yeah. Spectre's my number two of what I'm looking forward to for the rest of this year. I'm also quite looking forward to Black Mass, which is the, the Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. hoping he, he pulls off a kind of resurgence with that because mm-hmm. I, I think he's naff right now because he hasn't yeah. made a decent film in years. Um, but that's got an incredible class. I'm a big fan of Joel Edgerton um, ever, ever since, I think, was he in Great Gatsby? I think so. Pretty sure he was. And I think since that, I've been really interested to see it. And Corey Stoll as well. I'm, I'm tempted to do an actor spotlight on him because his like career has just kind of gone from House of Cards just as kind of you know, sent him into stratosphere. You know, obviously he was in Ant Man this year. He did. Uh, he's been doing the Strain. I fucking love Del- the Strain. Yeah, which is a Del Toro series. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you know it, he's got really he's had a really interesting trajectory. Mm. We've so. got um, the Hateful Eight is on supposedly unlimited release towards the end of the year as well. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, yeah. I expect every single person who comes on this podcast to bum the shit out of the Force Awakens. Mm. Well, well, <laughs> yeah. Me. I mean, the Hateful <laughs> so, Eight. We're getting on January the eighth, apparently. Oh, it's according so to current uh, current things, but that might change. I think Creed as well. I'm looking forward to the Rocky, the Rocky one. That will be good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm hoping for. But yeah, it's it's all about Star Wars. Once, once yeah. we get to the end of the year, that is. I'm just, gonna have I, to go see it just so I can sit here and go, "No, you're wrong," and yeah. I know you're wrong because <laughs> wrong. I've actually seen it. It's, it's childish rubbish. I fucking hate watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably come out and go, oh my god, it's completely changed me. I'm a Star Wars convert now. Quick, get me an R2-D2 tattoo. <laughs> Dog, that's going to happen, but you never I know. So. That'd be I hope so. I want to go see it just because everyone else is going to see it. I don't want to be left out, really. You've got to stay in. Yeah. You've got to stay in, in with it. But I think we're going to be doing... We're going to be covering most of these films over the next few months. We're going to be doing specials as well on Bond. There'll be a 007 special, which is going to cover all of Daniel Craig's tenure as bond yeah. which will be which will be entertaining we're going to do a rocky special for creed which will be all the rocky films um so that'll be good fun talking about rocky four yeah so and then we'll have to end the year off before we have a little christmas break will be yeah a star wars special in which a mega <laughs> podcast in which we will go through all seven it turns out now, <sighs> Um, I, but I don't yeah. have to be on that one, do I? No, it's fine. Good. <laughs> I've already got, should, I've already got like seven be. people on it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should be on it just so we can basically piss everyone else off by going, nope, shit. Should <laughs> yeah. we just make Star Trek references the whole way through it? <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, you're not, not as good as... Do your own one. <laughs> but they won't be lost on them. We'll do our own one with Blackjack and Bobby's. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, only, the only other person that chipped in on, on Twitter uh, was Lee Scoville 
uh, at PorkchopXS, who uh, said for the hashtag FaveFilms2015, uh, he agreed with Whiplash and Mad Max. But you would also like to add Tokyo Tribe, and uh, It Follows, which obviously was kind of a big breakout horror, wasn't it? So of, of earlier this year, so that'll be that'll be one to to catch. There's there's a few we've that that we've we've missed and we'll we'll get to, but mm. I think it's um there's a lot of really exciting films to come for the rest of the year, and then going into 2016. Oh, so next year as well, yeah, yeah. There's some great there's some great things coming up. So it's, it's Civil War, Civil War, kids. We'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> But um, until then, we'll we'll call it a day, and we'll be back um, next week. Um, I'll be in the hosting chair again. And uh, until then, um, you can find us on uh, Black Hole Cinema uh, at Twitter and on Facebook at Black Hole Cinema. And you can find uh, the website, um, which is Black Hole Online at WordPress dot com. We will be getting a, a proper dot com at some point and uh, jazzing up the website. But that's where the blog posts come. And Emma does her dead meat blog posts, and Dan does his trash talk and various other ones. And I just ramble about anything really. And we have other guest writers come on, so check us out. We uh, we try and get something up there every day. So uh, Dan, where can we find you on Twitter and stuff? On Twitter, it's at Dan Thomas Taylor. Um, obviously, as you've already said, I do articles on on Black Hole Online as well. So. I'm in and around everywhere. Cool. That sounds vaguely disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. <laughs> yeah. Emma, what about you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Crushin82. Um, and like you said, I write the Dead Meat articles on Black Hole Cinema. And I might, for the next podcast, traumatise myself by watching Child's Play. Um, if you go oh. onto the blog, there's a whole post about how... Charles Play actually traumatised me for life and how I haven't seen it yet and I'm still get scared of Chucky but for our lovely listeners I might actually watch it and um, talk about it on the next podcast I think you've, you've got to do that now you've got to do we, that now we actually you. potentially could, we could launch a whole new YouTube purely on your reaction videos while watching that <laughs> <laughs> just, just film yourself I, watching that film be brilliant even thinking about having to watch it is making me feel a bit sick like that's how scared I am of this shit put a camera in her face yeah. just make sure Freddy is very far away um, I don't think Freddy would give a shit Freddy's nails he's, <laughs> he's part of it he's just he'd be like fucking doll stupid mum just, just what do you cry for but yeah um, I think I'm on the, the 27th um, yes. and I will be I'm going to watch Child's Play excellent on. I like that. Yeah, Dan and um, Emma will be hosting when I'm not, um, and we're gonna we're gonna rotate as usual. So um, yeah, if you are if you are listening to this and you want to be a guest, um, drop us a message. Um, we're always welcome. We've got some new people coming on, which is very exciting in the next few weeks who've never been on Black Hole Cinema before. So um, that's going to be cool. So yeah, if you uh, if you fancy guesting, um, please let us know, and we'll see what we can do. So um, yeah, this has been a catch up, but we're back. We are back, and we're here to stay until we have another break. Um, or one of us goes into hospital, or one of us moves house, or uh, things like that. Uh, so one until then... moved in the nest, God. Yes, yes, at which point it will be Daniel, Daniel Taylor from, yeah, I, from Inverness. Yeah, I don't even, um, don't even know if they have internet connection up there. Yeah, that would be fun. God, don't say that to me. Uh, right, until then, um, we'll see you again. Keep watching them. Thank <laughs> you.